In the study, Debussy, the quiet revolutionary, Victor Lederer tells us that the nocturnes are not night pieces like Chopin's. They are instead visually inspired studies in tonal and orchestral color interspersed with dreamlike moments. Debussy himself wrote, the title Nocturnes is to be interpreted here in a general and more particularly in a decorative sense. Therefore, it is not meant to designate the usual form of the nocturne, but rather all the various impressions and special effects of light that the word suggests. Nuage, clouds, renders the immutable aspect of the sky and the slow, solemn motion of the clouds fading away in gray tones, lightly tinged with white. The opening movement, Nuage, Clouds, evokes a shifting cloudscape with remarkable success. Playing in a soft, even rhythm, the woodwinds paint an unmistakable image through which the plaintive nasal sound of an English horn cuts like a change of light in the clouds. The strings eerily assume the even, drifting figure, cut again by the slightly sharper figure of the English horn. About two minutes in, the oboes, clarinets, and bassoons, playing in their lower registers, chant a somber, rising melody that suggests a thickening of the clouds. Plucked strings shortly afterward capture the feeling of fractured light. words of Victor Lederer and Claude Debussy about one of the nocturnes by Debussy titled Nuage, Clouds, using painterly terms suggesting here that the English horn, for example, cuts through the soft sound of the woodwinds like a change of light in the clouds, and also that plucked strings capture the feeling of fractured light, a change of light, fractured light. About 40 years later in France, guitarist Django Reinhardt composed a tune titled Nuage or Clouds as well. And much like Debussy's Nuage, Django's piece, according to Michael Drainy, was an impressionistic melody, the chromaticism coloring the song in a rainbow of tones. Each of these musical pieces is compared here to the visual works of, say, French Impressionism, with oral effects as if listeners are to experience the shifting effects of light and color. If there is something artist Brian Keeler knows, it is clouds. And as it happens, Nuage as well by Django Reinhardt. In his new book, Light on the Figure, which features an oil painting by Brian Keeler on the back cover in a farm field in Seneca, New York, with a sky alive with clouds as the sun sets, the artist himself is in the foreground and featured capturing those clouds and celebrating the light at the golden hour. 
Keeler's favorite. In the book, we're told expressing and describing the beauty of light has been the focus of Brian Keeler's career in painting. Depicting the topography of light is the way he likes to describe this process, as this phase communicates the way light plays across forms and describes their shapes. His work includes landscape, the figure, portraits, still life, and allegorical work. His figurative painting and other genres incorporate a fulsome appreciation for the way light can reveal the world to us. Among other artists, patrons, and the general public, he is known as a colorist. He combines the aesthetics of light and structural compositional dynamics in his work and in his teaching and writing as he shares his love for painting in workshops in the United States and abroad, most notably in figure and plein air courses taught in New York and Italy. Brian Keeler is the son of a Sunday painter and newspaper editor, the late William W. Keeler, whom he credits for sparking his initial interest in art. Keeler received his early training at Keystone College near Scranton and at a small art school in southern Pennsylvania, the York Academy of Arts. His paintings have received numerous awards over a long and productive career, and they're featured in many private, business, corporate, and museum collections. Brian Keeler lives and has a studio in Ithaca, the Keeler North Art Studio. He maintains a studio gallery in his hometown of Wyalusing as well. And when Keeler isn't painting, you may find him out playing gigs on guitar with his gypsy swing band Singology and teaching Lindy and Balboa swing dance classes before these events. All that we learn from the new book, Brian Keeler, Light on the Figure, Aspects of Painting People. Brian Keeler is celebrating the release of the new study with two concurrent exhibitions of his work in the region, the show at the Oradell Gallery at the Stroudsmore Inn in Stroudsburg, and that will run through December. And there will be an opening on September 17th at the Main Street Gallery in Kingston, across the river from Wilkes-Barre. Brian Keeler and Linda Graves, who is proprietor of the North Star Art Gallery in Ithaca, stopped in at the WVIA studios after delivering paintings to the Oradell Gallery to talk with us about his work and the new book, starting with a book that isn't even written yet. I have a novel in mind. I haven't written a word, but I have a novel in mind, and it's fun just to think about it. So I've been listening to courses about editing and writing, and it's a it's fascinating corollary to painting. And this one on editing is especially a, and she talks about getting the the large picture. Like people think of editing as fixing typos after you've already written. Yeah, looking at the details and. And I see that with the people approaching paintings. Everybody's kind of impressed with detail a lot of times, like with you know, Norman Rockwell and Andrew Wyeth. They love the details, and, and I do too. But uh, it's the sort of underlying structure of both of those painters' uh, works that really appeals to me. It's the architecture of it or the architectonics of it. And so this course that I'm listening to on editing, it's a, a teaching company course, but she talks about the same thing. She says, you, you, you know, if you're thinking of just uh, fixing typos, it's sort of uh, backwards. You need the, the larger picture first. And, and that's the way I approach painting. It's, uh, 
it's very um, abstract in the initial stages, thinking about design. And I think I've mentioned Franz Klein here before. He's a uh, Wilkes-Barre native uh, son. And uh, I love his work. It's very uh, zen-like and like an ink drawing done large. And so Franz Klein's works always appeal to me. And so I think of that when I'm when I'm doing paintings, uh, the uh, abstract essence underneath them and the design qualities, so getting the, the structure. And that's what's very enjoyable about doing plein air painting because it's very design-oriented at, at the onset, and that has a, an appeal to me. <laughs> Anybody who knows your work knows about your color sense, Brian. It just seems that we can sort of feel the vibrations that you, yeah, you capture. Yeah, people do think of that of me as a, as a colorist, and I certainly uh, enjoy that. But in a certain sense, uh, there's this adage by a famous painter who just died. His name is Frank Webb. He was a teacher of a, a friend of mine. He was a watercolorist. But he had this adage that I've often repeated, color gets the credit, but value does the work. And the way I'm using the term value, it's an artistic term that means black and white. So you have to have all the the black and white relationships. And then you can uh, ad lib or improvise with the color. But the important thing is to get the the value relationships all working, and, and then uh, the color will uh, sort of fall in place on, on its own. <laughs> I was observing how wonderful it is that Linda has an exquisite color palette. Brian, introduce us yes, to Linda. Yes, this is uh, Linda Graves, my significant other, my partner for <laughs> many years, and we've been uh, traveling together, and, and Linda's been behind these paintings. One of the things that we're going to talk about today is my new book. I've just published a new book. We just got the copies of it in June, and it's been uh, decades in the making. And so it's a very rewarding milestone to have it come together at this time. But in all these paintings, Linda's there. For example, there's a whole section on Italy, and Linda and I have been traveling in Italy. And I do these video YouTubes, and Linda's often the one that's doing the videotaping. And another aspect of the book is there's corollary uh, essays that go along with them. And Linda helps me with editing the essays. And so there's some unique aspects with, with the book. And one of them is the corollary essays. So if they're looking at a painting, they'll see a link to an essay that if they want to learn more about it, how I extrapolate or expound more on this individual subject. And then there's something that's also very unique, I think, to the publishing is the fact that there's a YouTube clips to dozens of these paintings that are included. So you get the text, you get my text explanation. Of course, you get the image, and then you also get sequential shots here of the paintings as they develop. So it's uh, it's quite a resource, unique resource that I don't think has been done in publishing. But if it has, it's still a very unique to a project. <laughs> and Linda, you were excited about it because you're excited about the paintings, but you have been there. You are there often in the paintings as a figure, maybe in the distance, but also at a card table, for example. Exactly. So when he's painting outside, which is how he starts his landscapes, I'm there with our dog, Gracie, and it's somewhere beautiful. He only paints beautiful, positive things. And I'm there as he is literally framing the shot, lining it up this way, or what gets included, what is not. And then he is putting the first essence of it down on canvas. And he does it so fast. It's unbelievable. So he's doing it during golden hour. The light's changing quickly. And if you ever actually watch him paint, he looks up, looks at the scene, and the brush hits <laughs> hits the palette. And that brush is moving for a very long time before he has to look up again. Because, and I, I surmise, he has 
very strong visual memory. So he can remember the scene long enough to keep the brush moving for a good long time before he has to check it out again. <laughs> does that sound right? I think it does. Yeah, I even talk about that in the book. There's a chapter on drawing, and I, I took this quote from the Uffizi Gallery in Florence. They had a they have a special gallery there for uh, drawings and prints, and what they mentioned in the accompanying essays was drawing as an act of memory because even if you're looking at the model only for a few seconds, once you go to the canvas, you're remembering what you saw, but you, you can look back. But then there's other times you may not look for you know 10 or 15 minutes. So whether it's uh, three seconds or three minutes or 30 minutes, it's, it's sort of an act of memory. But then it allows one to sort of uh, elaborate on uh, what you're seeing. So I guess it's always kind of a, a blend of reportage and improvisation. <laughs> And that's very revealing, too, I think, what you said, Linda, because of the sense of dynamism, that we get a sense of energy on the canvas, that the canvas doesn't contain what you're rendering, Brian. The sun's rays are extending, right? Exactly, because the light changes particularly fast at that time of day. And he likes certain times of day that reveal the scene the best but you got to be fast. Is it because you're moving quickly that there's energy and movement? Where does that energy come from when we stand before a Brian Keeler? Yeah, that's a good question. It might have to do with the uh, the excitement, the emotional connection, because usually when I'm, I'm painting something, it doesn't always start that way because sometimes I, I think, you know, this isn't the best You know, I'm not feeling inspired and the uh, landscape isn't really speaking to me. But then oftentimes during the process of painting, uh, things start to happen. Oh, I didn't see this. And and this falls in place. And oh, this is coming together here. So sometimes it really takes work to bring it out. George O'Keefe said something like that about painting in New Mexico. She said, sometimes when you're looking at a landscape, it almost seems like it's already painted for you. But then uh, once you start painting, you realize it's going to take work to really draw it out. (laughs) And we talk about landscapes, Brian, because we know those skies and the clouds, the way you render those. But you also do figurative work, as we've just suggested. Linda, you're often in a scene. But I wanted to ask you, Linda, because we were joking before we got started about you and theater, but there are some theatrical elements about some of these scenes. Yeah, we're looking at the book here now. There, there are that have that theatrical aspect of them, and a number of them I've taken from famous paintings, uh, like the one we're looking at now is uh, Caravaggio and Georges de la Tour. And then there's another painter that we just discovered a few years ago at the Met. His name is Valentin de Boulogne. He was a contemporary of Caravaggio. Not too well known, but they had a major show at the Met of his work. And there's one in particular. It's the newest painting in in the book. It was just finished in January, so it just made it in the book. It's a version or a a new interpretation of this biblical theme of the uh, judgment of Solomon. And I posed the models like Valentin did in this famous painting. And I, I got models. And Linda did the costumes, so she had all this costumes. And the way that I conceived of it is to be kind of timeless, but it has, even though it's based on a broke painting, the interior is looking like a Dutch master's. The interior resembles a Van Eyck or a, a Vermeer de Hoog because it has what is called an inflot, a succession of rooms. But it also includes this concave mirror, which was in the background of a famous painting by Van Eyck called The Arnolfini Bride, which Linda and I went specifically to London a few years ago to see this one painting at an exhibit at the National Gallery in in London. 
and then they had all these pre-Raphaelite paintings that were influenced by this one painting. So that's the the reference in there. And in this concave mirror, there's a self-portrait of me sketching the, the models in there. And um, so there's that reference of the Dutch Golden Age, but also goes back to the Baroque. And the, and the models were, were great. We did several other themes that same day and uh, incorporated those into, into the book. Now, when you do work that is clearly a deliberate reference to painters you respect and you've learned from and you want us all to get excited about, is part of it that you want us to go back ourselves to Caravaggio and experience that? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, Caravaggio in, in particular, he's been one of my favorite painters in, in Rome. In fact, that's one of the reasons I went to Italy the first time. And there's one block around the Pantheon where you can see uh, maybe five or six of, of Caravaggio's best best paintings there. And when we think about a painter like Caravaggio, we're again thinking about light. And we know painters and light, that goes that thing. But you're someone who dances with light in a way. How do you read the light in a painting like that? When I'm looking at Caravaggio? Yeah, they're... They're so uh, impressive. They're just unbelievable accomplishments. And it's just very captivating and, and uh, inspiring and, and humbling <laughs> all at the same time. But I, I love the way he organizes them. And uh, people have speculated how he did them and you know whether he drew them or whether he used projection devices. But the same with, with Vermeer, too. But regardless of how they did them, uh, they're such great works of art. And then the whole history behind them and Caravaggio's history of kind of an irascible character. There's this one restaurant that Linda and I stumbled onto in Rome. We we asked every restaurant in Italy in Rome is, is great. And so we just asked somebody, is there a good restaurant? He said, yeah, right here there's one. And it turned out to be uh, where Caravaggio got in this famous duel. And the restaurant's called Il Duello. And he got in a fight over uh, carciofi, which is the Italian word for artichokes. They, they came boiled and then he went them in oil or something. <laughs> and so Linda often says that the waiters there were very polite. They didn't want to upset anybody. There's these wonderful little uh, things like that that happen just by chance and traveling around in, in Italy and connecting to, I think I mentioned before, it's, it's very exciting to be in the same places where they painted and, and just to imagine this, the scene then in, in the early 1600s or, or back to Renaissance times too. One way I know that Brian loves a painting, because we go to a lot of museums when we're traveling, Brian will be transfixed in front of something. And then he whips out his sketchbook, and he'll be sketching it. And people will come look over his shoulder, and Brian's just, you know, drawn away. (laughs) It's fun. And in a sense, too, then, Brian, when you prepare a book like this, you're allowing us to look over your shoulder like that. Exactly, yes. And so I'm giving you a window into my painting process, and there's a fair amount of text. It's not just like another coffee table picture book. You know, I I had fun writing it and explaining about the painting, so that's part of the rewards and part of the goal is just to share the the process to give people an insight into how I approach them. The book is available. Tell us what the title is, Linda. Okay, so... The title of the book is Brian Keeler, Light on the Figure, Aspects of Painting People. And it's available several different ways. It's available at North Star Art Gallery in Ithaca, which is the gallery I created for Brian. But it's also available all the other galleries that Brian is showing. And he has a couple of upcoming special shows 
in Stroudsburg Mm -hmm. and also in Kingston. Tell us where you'll be and and what you're exploring. Different things in each gallery? Yes. I've had a series of book signings since the book came out. One was in Corning, and we had one at the North Star Gallery. But now there's one in Kingston at the Main Street Gallery, run by Sally Casey. I've been showing there for about a year, and it's a wonderful gallery. Sally's a wonderful person, and the gallery's been there for, I think, 40 years, maybe. And so that show, they're both similar, both a combination of landscapes of the region, and uh, then there's some from Italy and some from Ireland and some from the Finger Lakes and maybe a few from Maine. And then, of course, there's some figurative paintings in, in each show, too. And the one here at Wilkes-Barre, I'm completing a painting right now that Sally asked for. She said, why don't you do a a painting of the Market Street Bridge. She said, I just love the iconic look of the bridge with the eagles on top. And I said, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll give it a try. So I, I started a plein air painting uh, last Tuesday, in fact. I went right down along the river and started this painting. And it's coming on really well. And, and you mentioned the clouds before. I've got these wonderful clouds that are above it. And it was just great to uh, sit there along the river uh, and do it plein air. And it was right at the golden hour. So that hasn't been delivered yet. But I have two paintings of the... Market Street Bridge that will be in that show. And then the other exhibit, we just delivered work to Stroudsburg at the uh, Oradell Gallery. It's part of the Stroudsmore Inn. It's my second show. I had an exhibit there uh, quite a few years ago, might be 15 or 20 years ago. So this is my second exhibit there. And uh, that's also a combination of, of landscapes. And that one has quite a few of Philadelphia in it. I've been painting Philadelphia for quite a few years. I just did a plein air festival there this spring, so it has some of the plein air paintings that I did along the Schoolkill and the suburbs, like there's a couple of Maniunk and, uh, oh, there's one from Chad's Ford, too. We think about you and place also, not just Rome because it's the place where some of the great painters you admire are, or Ireland, but you really care about place, don't you? I do, yeah. And the uh, Ireland one, uh, oh, the one that Linda's pointing to now, it sort of exemplifies this on the cover. It's a painting of a scene in Ithaca. It's a, a, a coffee shop that everybody knows about. So it kind of exemplifies the community aspect of, of that town, that neighborhood. <laughs> Tell us the title uh, of this Oh, yes, painting. the title is A Street Corner Called Inspire. So it's like a twist on the play, uh, A Streetcar Called Desire. <laughs> And this is a street corner called Inspire. <laughs> but it's it's so much representative of community spirit. This is a communitarian painting. And in fact, when the painting was being shown somewhere else, a couple came by and the wife recognized her son and husband in the reflection on the glass. <laughs> it was just so remarkable. It turns out the, the husband and the son walk around this neighborhood and walk right by this coffee shop daily, and they're part of it. And every neighborhood needs a spot where people hang out. And that's what this represents. And then you also have Brian is in the reflection. There he is with his baseball hat, and he's reflected in the plate glass mirror also. So this is a perfect painting to be on the cover of this book. But you also say, like, Monet, that's the bridge. He never got tired of that scene. And there's a couple places around Ithaca, like Myers Point, that Brian paints it many times. And every time it's framed a little differently. The light is different, although it's usually in the golden hour. And he'll never get tired of going back there because he always brings some new creativity to it. And the light or the colors 
are different. One more thing. I don't know why I said it, but I used the word dancing with the clouds that you do, <laughs> Brian. And we haven't talked about your dancing and your music and its relationship to what you do as a painter. They're not separate, are they? Not really. I see them being interrelated in, in a lot of ways. In fact, uh, Linda and I met uh, dancing <laughs> at, a, at a workshop not far from here at, at Mount Pocono in that area. <laughs> there was a waltz weekend that we, we attended. But in regards to the paintings, I have a whole chapter on, on mm-hmm. dance where I'm painting dancers and musicians, and, and musicians too. And there are corollaries to the, the way they're approached, and especially with, with figure painting and uh, dance. The weight-bearing leg is always significant when you're doing figure painting, and that comes in with dance, too, especially with tango. They're always talking about which foot, which leg is the weight-bearing leg, and so there's corollaries with drawing. And so the, you always have to figure that out when uh, you're doing a figure drawing, is figuring out which is the weight-bearing leg or if it's equally distributed. One, one of the ways that comes into a play is uh, if the model's on one foot, it's usually like right under the sternum here. So it's, it's a good thing to kind of key upon to, to know that because sometimes when you're drawing that, that can get off, but that's one thing. So that's one corollary to dance. <laughs> and it was dance that brought you together. Absolutely, but you know... Right after the weekend, Brian says to me, you want to see my art? What he meant just down the road was the Mount Airy Casino, which has an 80-foot wide mural. It's a, it's a riverscape, and it's in sort of the, the entrance, and that's what he showed me. So, I mean, I fell in love with the artist and Brian at the same time. <laughs> that's wonderful. Well, do you have any details about the shows and how long and so yes. forth? The show in Stroudsburg is up till the end of December, so you can see it there in Stroudsburg till the end of December. And the uh, one at the Main Street Gallery opens on the 17th, and I'll be playing for my own opening. Doug Smith's combo is going to be playing, and we'll have Jim Waltich there on accordion and Tommy Hamilton on uh, saxophone or flute, and, and of course, Doug on, on bass. They're just wonderful musicians, and I've played with them over the years quite a few times, so it's, it's a real honor for me to, to play with those guys. And will there be room for dancing? Ah, there might be, yeah, yeah. Save a dance for me. Brian Keeler, award-winning artist, he's an educator and author, and Linda Graves, proprietor of the North Star Art Gallery in Ithaca, speaking with us about Brian's work and his new book titled Light on the Figure, Aspects of Painting People. There will be two concurrent exhibitions of Brian's work, the show at the Oradell Gallery at the Stroudsmore Inn in Stroudsburg is open right now and it will run through December 31st, and that's the Stroudsmore Inn in Stroudsburg, 257 Stroudsmore Road. And then, as we heard, there will be an opening on the 17th of September, and that's at the Main Street Gallery in Kingston, across the river from Wilkes-Barre, 370 Pierce Street, 370 Pierce Street in Kingston. And there will be music with the Doug Smith Jazz Combo playing from 5 to 7, with Brian sitting in as well. And the best thing to do is check Brian's website, briankeeler.com, briankeeler.com. Brian Keeler, Light on the Figure, Aspects of Painting People, the new release, the new book, 
and then two exhibitions, the Oradell Gallery at the Stroudsmoor Inn in Stroudsburg through December 31st, and then opening on September 17th will be the exhibit at the Main Street Gallery, and that's on Pierce Street, 370 Pierce Street in Kingston, across the river from Wilkes-Barre. And the best thing to do is check briankeeler.com, briankeeler.com.